If you're a struggling jiu-jitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey, I have an online program called the Jiu-Jitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development. Make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com and I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast, and we'll get on to the episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. Hopefully, you guys are all having a good week so far. You had a good weekend, spring break for a lot of people. I'm recording this in the March time of this year, so if you're listening to this back on replay, you know, this is what it is right now. Um, Interesting. I recorded a podcast with the Niawaza podcast. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I believe I'm saying that correctly. I did an interview over the weekend. It went about an hour and a half long, so it was really good. Um, I'm going to try to release bits and pieces of it on here as well, but also make sure you guys go check that out whenever it is up. He has done a lot of other great podcasts. He did some with like Todd Fox and some other good jiu-jitsu people too. So uh, make sure you check that out if you guys are looking for more jiu-jitsu content, good interview style podcast. So anyway, I want to get into today's episode. What I want to talk about is going into the next part of our jiu-jitsu series here, right? We talked about the offensive and defensive ideas for white belts. Um, So we talked about some ways that you can be defensive, what you should be thinking about. And then for, um, we also talked about to be offensive, what you should be thinking about as a white belt, right? So let's move on to the blue belt standard, right? So this will be blue belt offensive because that's usually what everyone likes. Everyone likes getting into the offensive, uh, things first. So when you're a blue belt, where you're going to start to develop some offense from, in my opinion, is you're going to be still developing offense from the bottom position, mainly, probably like 70% of the time. And then against people who you're more skilled than, like still newer white belts or, um, you know, maybe as you're getting more through your blue belt career, you know, lesser skilled blue belts, you're going to start to get on top and start to develop some top positions. So I still give kind of the same advice that I give to um, blue belts, newer blue belts that I give white belts about where to focus their attacks from. They should still be focusing a lot of their attacks on transitioning from defense into offense. So, you know, close guard, open guard. um, How do you start to hit some techniques from the bottom where you can start developing some offense? But the first part that you're going to start to kind of be very uncomfortable with after you get comfortable with that is going to be obtaining the top position, right? And so the top position for a lot of blue belts is like a whole new world, you know? It's a whole new world um, because you've been being smashed for majority of your career so far up to this point now that you're the one that's kind of handing out some smashings or some dealings. So what are the first kind of top positions that I recommend blue belts start to get good at and get comfortable with? Um, I really recommend that they get good and comfortable at in the mount. Um, I know that sounds odd because you probably won't be getting to the mount as much, but you will be able to get there on people who are, you know, more inferior than you. So let me break this down for you. If you guys think about it, if you're going against somebody who is, you know, pretty relatively skilled and you're a blue belt, whatever that is. Um, you will be able to get on top sometimes, but 
to get to the mount position is going to be tough on a lot of those people. You might be able to get there some. It'll probably be easier for you to get to side control, um, but it'll be hard for you to maintain the mount a lot. I think the mount is one of the most underrated top positions. Um, I think it's not heavily touched upon. I don't think people really spend a lot of time and effort into it, and I think this is a big reason why. I think it's because when they start getting on top, that it's easier for them to go to side control. They can um, not get rolled over as easy. The bottom person doesn't escape as quickly, and so they start to fall in love with top of side control because, you know, it's easy. It's the easiest path, right? If you get mounted, there's a good chance someone does a quick bridge and a quick roll or hits a quick elbow escape, and then now you've just all that work you've done has gone out the window. But what I would say is when you're starting to get on top of people consistently, like, you know, if I'm a blue belt, mid-blue belt, and these are newer white belts or mid-white belts or other blue belts, you know, you're going to be able to dominate a lot more of the fight. So you shouldn't be wanting to work the things that are what I would call lowest common denominator. Like, it's not like you should be taking risk against those people. So it doesn't really do you any good to hold down a white belt from side control when they don't really have many escapes and, you know, you can just kind of out, you know, hold them and out squeeze them and, and continue to, to, you know, out grapple them and, and maybe catch them in a thing or two. You should be taking that white belt and being able to mount them and they've probably learned some mount escapes and you should be working on the mount controls and trying to get very comfortable early on into the mount position. Like I said, I think this is a place that blue belts really avoid being in the beginning of their career. I think it's so much easier for them just to stay into side control. They don't really talk about being in the mount position, but I highly recommend blue belts start developing the mount. And then with that though, it's like, okay, well, how do I get to the mount? The next position that I really invest a lot of blue belts start to develop or offensive skill is going to be passing. I'm not really too worried about it with white belts necessarily. Um, I'm not worried about white belts passing a whole lot because they're, they're going to be in the bottom a lot. But blue belts by far are the two biggest offensive positions or skills that I recommend that they develop is guard passing and then being able to control the guard pass, whether that's controlling from side or passing right to mount, but then actually looking for ways to get to the mount. So that's two different psychologies, thinking about just passing and then holding side, staying inside, and then submitting from side versus passing, holding from side, controlling, and then mounting. Those are two different ideas. I really encourage blue belts to start adopting that idea much earlier because what's what's happening here is I'm trying to give you guys a playbook and how to avoid common pitfalls. Um, like I said, a lot of blue belts will just take the side control because it's the easiest way or the easiest path possible in the beginning of their career. Um, you know, they're getting ready for competitions or they're having tough battles in the gym. You know, they don't want to be in inferior positions. So it makes them usually avoid these things like the mountain. But later on in your career, the mount, especially when you get to brown and black belt levels, the mount is one of the most important positions. Um, if anyone disagrees with it, you can go look at Hodger Gracie, who is one of the greatest of all time. And he talks about that the mount was one of the main positions. And it's because ultimately out of the mount, there's less escapes that they can happen. There's very leverage based things they can do. You know, they can roll you because you're lined up with one another. They can elbow escapes. But what happens is the mount fundamentally doesn't have as many escapes as side control. Side control, you can get escaped 
you know, you can get um, rolled over, you can get elbow escaped, you can underhook escape, you can turn your back, you can turtle. There, there are so many different escapes from the um, from the side control position that kind of negating all of them is is very challenging. But doing it from the mount, it's a lot less. Basically, there's two mount escapes, if you want to call it that. Some people would say three. Well, we'll say three. That you have the the umpa escape or the trap and roll, some version of it where you trap an arm, trap a leg, bridge, line each other up and roll each other over. The other one would be some kind of an elbow escape or a um, where your leg is going to scrape underneath one of their legs. Commonly, you put somebody into a half guard style of position. And then the last one would be some kind of a, a shrimp escape, right? Like a hip escape or a frame escape. There are some other ones like, you know, where you put your feet up in the armpits or you do some crazy stuff with your legs. You could also consider turtling. Um, some people will just expose their back and turtle and try to recover that way as an escape. But the main ones are going to be like a trap and roll, an elbow or a shrimp escape is going to be the main one. So trying to def defending only those three is a lot easier than defending all the ones from side control, in my opinion, especially later on when people get good at them. What happens is the reason why side control becomes so appealing to blue belts in the beginning of their career, I think, is like I said, it's because it's easier. A lot of people have a hard time escaping side control because they haven't learned as many escapes and they haven't gotten good at them yet. And so it seems easier versus they haven't spent any time developing the mount position so the person can escape the mount because they've probably been shown the most from the mount. But the whole idea is that the mount is going to hopefully expose their back. Then the back is the king position. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts, and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting, and I'll see you guys later. So this is a big reason why I really recommend students when they start to be offensive in the beginning of their career as a blue belt, they really start to focus on ways to achieve the mount, hold the mount. And then with that, the first level of offense you're going to have is going to be from um, mount attacking, you know, all the mount attacks, whether that's going to be uh, arm attacks, neck attacks, whatever you want to do, whether you're going gi or no gi um, of that route. But that's kind of the first area that I really recommend blue belts start paying attention to offensively. So just to recap, as a white belt, I really recommended that students started to develop the bottom position from offense, start to develop attacks from the bottom, start developing sweeps. So that doesn't still change from blue belt. You will still attack like 70 to 60% of the time will be on the bottom, maybe even more. But then as you go through your blue belt career, it's such a long journey that you're going to start to find ways to get on top. Your sweeps are going to get better, or you're going to see opportunities. You're going to start to get takedowns. Those are going to start to get better. And then you're going to start to find yourself more in advancing positions, such as guard passing, trying to guard pass, trying to... Um, and then once you've guard passed, holding the top positions and the top position I recommend students invest a lot of time into is the mount position. Don't take the easy way out and just hold side control and hope for the best. That's commonly what happens. You guys should not do that. Um, guard passes. I know you guys are probably going to ask, well, what guard passes do I recommend? Um, there's not, there's so many different thoughts and flavors on guard passing. It, it, and, and a lot of it does depend on the body type and 
and who you're passing. Um, guard passing is one of those unique positions that a lot of times there's not just one pass that's the king. Um, I, I would say there are more king passes depending on if it's gi or no gi, but a lot of it depends on who you're grappling against. So let me give you an example. If a guy is sitting up like in butterfly guard and passing him that direction versus them laying down on their back or kind of inviting you to step in closer and they start entangling your legs is kind of two different passing styles. And then now you add the gi in. So is this guy controlling my collar and sleeve? Is he grabbing uh, double lapels or double sleeves or, or whatever? Is he doing De La Hiva? So guard passing is very problem solving oriented it's very much like here's the type of guard that they're presenting so here's the way that i should pass um a lot of other positions in jiu-jitsu are not like that you can say this is the way i'm going to hold the mount and you can choose to kind of hold it and any way that you want and force your technique down their throat versus guard passing is like more offensive but you have to kind of uh, do the appropriate pass toward the type of guard that they're playing, which is defensive, which is interesting because it's not normally like that as much in jujitsu, but guard guard passing is. So there's pretty much only two ways to pass the guard. What I mean by that is you have either going through the legs or going around the legs. So going through the legs would be something like a knee cut pass, um, a step over pass, um, any any way that you're literally splitting the legs and going through them. Or the other way is going around the legs, such as a over-under pass, a double-under pass, um, a toriando pass, throw-by pass. There, there, there's a lot of other passes, right? And so almost every pass, it, it's going to have two of those elements. The secret to passing is getting good at being able to change between them. So having a go-to go-around pass and having a go-to going-through pass, they very much work hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, I paid a lot of money to go see a very well-known guard passer named Hoffa Mendez. And Hoffa Mendez gave advice that was the most simple advice ever. He said, what you do is you have like two passes, the same advice. And then when they don't work on one side, you change sides and do it on the other side. That was like ridiculous to kind of hear because you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Because most people can't defend on both sides. So there's the tip for you guys that I paid a lot of money for, um, right there. So you guys are getting, you know, hopefully your money's worth right now. So anyway, that's kind of a review on this blue belt series of being offensive. So this was the offensive series. I'll be covering the defensive series here really soon, what you need to start being looking out for and what defensive things you should start looking out for. But, um, yeah, def or being offensive as a blue belt, um, you should be trying to, you know, still work your bottom stuff that I recommended from white, but now you're starting to develop, um, some offense from the bottom, start problem solving. Well, how are they countering your offense from the bottom? And then once you're starting to get on top, really focus on your guard passing, have one pass of going through, going around. And then once you get there, don't be, don't be satisfied with just being in the side control, find a way to get good at advancing to the mount, maintaining the mount and start to attack. You'll go a very long way in jujitsu. If you can develop those skill sets 
as a blue belt. So anyway, that's it for this episode. Hopefully everyone's taking it easy and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. 